Well, I don't know about you, but when I watch that video, I say, yep, yep, oh yeah, yep, yep, that's me. I feel that way at times in my life. Um, I, I don't know if you can relate to that, but we, we've been in the series called Surviving to Thriving, and we've been looking at what it looks like to, to get in line with the Holy Spirit, because that's when we will truly be able to thrive in our lives. And when I feel that way, those, those thoughts that are described in that video, I'm really grateful that I can go to the Lord and I can say, Lord, I need you. I, I need you. I can go in my, my brokenness and my, my humility and in the midst of the struggle and, the, and, I, and I can recenter uh, my heart and my affection and, and, and I, can, I can say, Lord, please, I need you. Uh, God is faithful, and that's exactly what we're talking about today is faithfulness, faithfulness. And we can be faithful because God is faithful. We can be faithful because God is faithful. Now, when you think about this word faithful, faithfulness, it's a fruit of the Spirit. So we know it's not anything that we can trump up on our own. We can't, we can't will ourselves to, to be faithful. It's a, it's a fruit of the Spirit. And, and what we've been learning in this series, you've been tracking along, is that when we, we set our minds on what the Spirit desires for our life, God's fruit of the Spirit begins to show up in our lives. And when we, we don't, when we set our minds on what the flesh desires, things don't go well. Uh, we, we, we find ourselves in a place where we're, we're surviving. Uh, we, we might know Jesus as our Savior, but there's, there's just no fruit. There, there, there's no thriving in our lives. There's no joy in our lives. And our goal as, as, a, as a team here at Grace is to, is to move us from surviving to thriving. When you think about faithfulness, uh, what comes to mind? For me, it's things like steadfastness, uh, you know, uh, plugging away day after day, right? There, there's this element of time associated with faithfulness, right? Uh, because I, we can't just be committed for one day. Uh, that wouldn't be faithfulness, right? It, it, there's, a, there's an element of time uh, involved in that. You know, Naomi expects me to be committed and to be faithful to her today and then again tomorrow, and then again the next day, and the day after that, right? And if I can do that, uh, by God's grace, I'm, I'm, I'm faithful. She would say, you know, Mike's faithful uh, to me. Uh, and so there are probably a lot of really good definitions that you've heard uh, about faithfulness. I'm just going to give you my own definition. It's a simple definition because I'm a simple kind of guy. Here's my definition, okay? Faithfulness is the result of setting our minds on what the Spirit desires, okay? This right here. Setting our minds on what the Spirit desires for today. See, because I, I, if I think about like, you know, every day for the rest of my life, that's just too big for me, right? I need to break it down to like, what do I got to do today? Tell me what I got to do today. So faithfulness is the result of setting our minds on what the Spirit desires for today. But again, there's an element of time here. So we do that every day, okay? So we set our minds on what the Spirit desires today, every day, not perfectly, but consistently. That's my definition of, of, of faithfulness. And I desire and I long for a faithful God to find me faithful. Amen? That should be our goal. That should be our desire that, that when we breathe our last breath and we're ushered into the presence of God, that, that he finds you faithful, that he finds me faithful. So let's dig in today 
and uh, let's learn about faithfulness and what that looks like to our lives. So if you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Now I want to set it up while you're, while you're finding that. I want to set it up for us this way. I've shared before in messages that prior to becoming a, a pastor and entering into the call of full-time vocational ministry, I worked for a national janitorial company. We were actually the largest uh, department store cleaning company in the country. And so department stores, stores like Sears and Pennies and Bloomingdale's and Target and Kmart would, would hire our company to come in and clean their stores for them. And so my job uh, working for this company and as a, as a manager for this company, executive in this company, was, was to make sure that, um, that, I, that I please our customer, which is the store, uh, that, that we, um, we, we did a good job for them. And so I had a lot, hundreds of accounts, and it was impossible for me to get into all of these accounts real consistently because of so many stores that I had responsibility over and it was over like seven or eight states in the east coast and so I would try to make my way into an area and uh, team up with our local management team on the ground and, um, and, and we would tour the stores. And my job was really to just make sure the standards, what we promised our customer, we were delivering on. And so that, that was a big part of, of my job. And, and so one particular trip uh, stands out to me. I was going to Albany, New York uh, to visit um, a, a guy that was on my team. He worked more for me for a number of years. His name's Tony. He was an operations manager. Tony was a good guy. Uh, worked for me for, for, for a number of years and um, had been pretty consistent um, in, in his job for us. And so uh, I never wanted to give my guys too much of advance notice that I was coming to kind of inspect their stores and inspect the job because you know how it is, right? We, we just dump a bunch of hours into it and, and just, you know, bring the stores up to standard really quick. I wanted to see what the stores look like when I'm not around. And so uh, I think I gave Tony maybe a two-day notice or something like that, said, hey, I'm coming in for a couple of days. Um, I'll meet you over here at this particular store. And, and so I did. I flew up to Albany got a rental car and met him at the store and, and uh, you know, began walking through this first store together. And um, as, as we began walking and inspecting and looking at kind of the standards in the store, um, my blood began to boil uh, because things just were not good. Everywhere I looked, there was just, um, you know, poor standards and kind of shoddy work and um, even like the equipment room where we keep all of our equipment. The equipment's all dirty. It's like broken down. There's, you know, cords frayed and all, just all kinds of stuff. And, and it was really frustrating. And I, I began pointing this stuff out to Tony. And Tony didn't make any excuses because he, he, he knew there was really nothing to say. He knew like he's, he's dropping the ball for me. And so we left that store and we go to the next store and I'm, I'm hopeful that things are going to be better, you know, that we're going to like see a, a real, like he's going to, I want so bad to say, Tony, you're knocking it out of the park here. Uh, but that wasn't the case. The next store, kind of the same thing. Uh, stores were dirty. They were unkept. They were, the customers weren't happy. Um, and there was a, there was a real, real problem. 
And, and so the more stores we walked, I think my volume got louder, right? And uh, the seriousness and the tone in my voice began to change. And, and Tony just kept kind of walking a little lower and lower, head down. And, and so I would try in moments to like encourage him. Tony, you know, dude, you got everything you need to succeed. I know you can do this. Like, you've done this for a number of years. Like, you know, there, there, there was a time your stores haven't always been like this. Like, what is going on? And, and so on and on and on it goes until it was time for me to leave and head back. And Tony had a, a list a mile long, and he's kind of feeling down and, and dejected from our, our visit uh, and some of how that went. But I'll never forget what Tony said to me as we were kind of shaking hands and, and kind of giving the last words before I was catching a plane to head back to Philadelphia. Uh, Tony looked at me and he goes, you know, Mike, I feel like you've punched me in the mouth over and over and over, but I also feel like you've patted me on the back over and over and over. And the way I feel, like I don't know, like I don't know what to feel right now, but all I know is I want to do a good job for you. I want, I want you to come back, Mike, and I want, I want you to come back in, in a couple of weeks and give me a couple of weeks, give me a couple of, I want you to come back and I promise you things are going to be different. Things are going to look different the next time you're here. You're going to be proud when you walk through my stores. Um, and, and, you know, Tony was right. Tony was right. A, a few weeks later, I had a return visit, didn't, didn't give him a lot of advance notice, and, you know, Tony really turned things around. He took to heart uh, you know, the things that I showed him, and, um, and, and he, he got to work, and he rallied his team around, and he said, guys, I've taken my eye off the ball, uh, and, but you know what? It's back on the ball because we need to do a good job for, for our customers. And, you know, later that year, Tony actually got an award uh, for most improved in, on our management team, like, because he, he, he took it to heart. That's what Paul does to us here in this chapter that we're going to look at. I, I think if you're like me, when we read this chapter together, there's going to be some moments where you're going to be like, ouch, ouch. But, but, but I hope and my prayer is that you feel affirmed as well, that you feel like Paul's saying, guys, you can do this. We can do this. The, 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 we have all the tools to succeed. We can, we can do this. And so let's learn about faithfulness together. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, if you have that, go ahead and stand to your feet. We are going to read this out loud together, verses 1 through 9 of 1 Corinthians chapter 3. So let's read this out loud together. It says this, brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. Indeed, you're still not ready. You're still worldly. For since there's jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not mere human beings? What, after all, is Apollos? And what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe, as the Lord has assigned to each his task. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to their own labor. For we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. You may have a seat. 
So Paul is addressing this group of believers. These are followers of Christ. These are people who uh, trusted Christ for their salvation. Uh, they're, they're, they're believers. They're Christians. Uh, but this church, this group of people has a lot of problems. There, there, there are a lot of struggles going on um, in this church in Corinth that Paul is addressing. And he starts right out of the gate saying, like, I can't even address you as people who have set their minds on what the Spirit desires because you're not even there. You're, you're still setting your mind on what the flesh desires. Matter of fact, you're a bunch of babies. You're, you're a bunch of spiritual babies. Now, uh, babies are really, really cute, uh, except when they all over you and stuff. But, but most, of the, most of the, you know, babies are, are cute. Babies are cute. I love babies and babies are wonderful. The problem is if a baby never grows up and four or five years or 10 years pass uh, and, and there's no development in a person's life, there's a problem, right? Things are not healthy in, 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 that, in that child. We, we take them to the doctor. We try to figure out what's going on. And the same is true spiritually, like, it's okay. It's totally okay to be a baby Christian. Maybe, maybe you're here today and you're, you're a baby Christian. Maybe, maybe you just trusted Christ six minutes ago or, or, or six hours ago or six months ago, and, and you're a baby Christian. Um, and that's totally cool. Like, there's nothing wrong with that. All of us started out as baby Christians. The problem is, is when you're five years old in the faith and 10 years old in the faith and 15, 20, 30, 40 years in the faith, you shouldn't still be ordering off the kid's menu. You know, chicken nuggets and juice boxes and sliced apples are probably not what you should be ordering, spiritually speaking, right? And, and so he's addressing this group of people and he's like, look, I want to address you as mature people, but I can't do that because you're a bunch of babies and you're, you're like running around in a onesie and, and you have a binky in your mouth and, and you got, you know, sweet potatoes all over your face, you know, it, like it, it's just not a good thing. Now, I, I was tempted to wear a onesie today to illustrate this to you. And I, I, I said, Lord, what, what would the people of Grace Community need for me to illustrate this point? And he, he definitely confirmed that it probably wasn't wearing a onesie. But Paul is saying, guys, come on, like when are you going to grow up, right? And, and I wonder today if you were honest and you would evaluate your life, you would uh, say, you know what, wow, like the patterns that keep showing up in my life. I've been a believer for five years, 10 years, 15, 20, 25 years. But you know what? I still blow up at, like that quickly. Like my fuse is still this short. Like I'm still seeing marriage conflict. Same old patterns in my life keep, keep popping up. This addiction, you know, I might kick it for, you know, a, a few months and do pretty well, and then I, I give in to that. And uh, may, maybe there's this, this, this lack of spiritual depth in your life. If you were honest, you would say, like, yeah, I, I still have the bib on. Like, I still have the binky in my mouth. I shouldn't, but I do. Uh, and, and maybe today is the day where you would say, man, Lord, I don't want to live like a baby anymore. Like, I want to grow up. I want to mature in the faith, that's what God wants for you. Why, why, what keeps us from doing that? Like what keeps us from 
from growing? What keeps us from maturing in our faith? Well, it's, it's hard to set our mind on what the Spirit desires. This is, this is hard stuff, like, because we have to make a decision in our life. Like, I'm, I'm going to say no to what I want to do. Like, right now, I want to throat punch somebody, right? Because they cut me off in, in traffic. And right now, I want to respond in a way that makes me feel good for a minute, right? Or for 30 seconds. I want to I respond in a way that doesn't honor God because I, I, I have these desires in my life. And, and for some of you, over and over and over, you have the Holy Spirit of God living in you, but you've shelved the Holy Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit of God is like waiting in your life. Like just like, man, I, oh, please. Like I hope I hope they rely on me today. The Holy Spirit's saying, I hope, I hope he relies on me today. I hope, I hope she consults me today. I hope, I hope that she gives, she gives in to what I want today. What, what, I hope he, he says yes to me today. He's just waiting. But day after day, choice after choice, decision after decision, one day leads to five days and seven days and 30 days and, and a year. And then we find ourselves in a place of spiritual poverty because we've grown accustomed to living by the flesh over and over and over. And Paul is saying, no, like this can't be. He gives some examples. Look at verse three. Uh, Paul gives some examples of their worldliness or, or acting out of the flesh. He says, for since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? And he calls out their jealousy, calls out their quarreling, and I find it interesting that two of the things that plague the Corinthian church are two of the same things that still plague us as believers today, comparing and dividing. Things haven't changed a whole lot. Comparing and dividing, we compare ourselves to one another. Social media just doesn't help with that at all, right? We're posting our highlight reel and somebody else is comparing their stinky, you know, life, their lowly life to somebody else's highlight reel. And there's this comparison thing going on and this jealousy thing going on. And we can find ourselves at this same exact place as the, the Corinthian church. Jealousy, like man, I wish I was that person, or I wish I was that person, or wow, that person seems to have it all together. I, I must suck. Like, I don't, I, don't, I don't have that going on for, for me in my life, right? And then dividing, dividing and quarreling. I mean, oh my goodness, like we've never been a more divided people, country, than we are now. Like, there's no middle ground anymore. Did you notice that? Like, it's either one extreme over here or one extreme over here. And I'm not talking about, like, essential things that are important to our faith, like, right? Because we, we do need to take a side on things that really, really have eternal value that matter when it comes to the things of the Lord and our salvation, right? But I'm talking about like secondary issues, things that have no gospel relevance really or sal affect our salvation, you know, but, but, but we can't come to a middle. Like we can't fathom in our mind that there's somebody that might have a little bit of different thought process than, than we do right? We're divided. We're divided. I'll, be, I'll step on some toes here, but man, we sometimes have strong polarizing opinions on, issue, on issues like politics. Man, some 
of us fly our political flag way higher than, than the banner of Jesus Christ. Like, way higher. And, 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 you know, we don't talk to people face-to-face who we disagree with anymore. We hide behind an IP address because it's just easier. And we just blast on Facebook. Just let our fingers just go wild. Ah, right? And it's all this right here. It's all the flash just kind of coming out of us and it makes us feel good for a minute. We don't listen. We don't talk. We're babies. We're sucking on a pacifier like we're drinking a juice box. Nothing against juice boxes, by the way. I, I rock a juice box every now and again, right? But I'm afraid that our gospel witness and our gospel relevance is slowly withering away when we act that way. And our flesh just wants this. Like, like on our own, we just hunger for this kind of stuff. We hunger for controversy. We love the division. We love it. We want it. We, we give into it. And, and we need to understand that this is a problem of maturity in our lives and that, that God calls us to faithfulness. God calls us to faithfulness. The test of whether we are being led by the Spirit or not is, is evident in how we respond to the frustrations of life. Maybe you can think about your last frustration. Maybe it was just a couple minutes ago. Maybe, maybe it was earlier today. Maybe it was yesterday. Things didn't go the way you planned. And, uh, you know, it kind of messed up your agenda, your control. Uh, you lost some control over what you wanted. And uh, how did you respond to that? What, what was the way you responded were you quick? Maybe, maybe you started out, uh, like me, this happens all the time. Like I start out to respond flesh, fleshly, and, and then the Holy Spirit kind of gives me like a kick. And I say, oh, yeah, yeah you're, Lord, you're right. I need to be humble in this moment. And I need to line myself up with, with, with you. That's the test. It's how we respond to the frustrations of life. Look at verse 4. Paul continues. He's walking through... Uh, you know, the Corinthian church here, he's saying, okay, guys, look at all this stuff going on here. This stuff is not, uh, this does not characterize you as, as faithful. Verse four, he says, for when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not mere human beings? He says, what after all is Apollos, and what is Paul? Only servants through whom you come to believe. You came to believe as the Lord has assigned to each his task. Paul says, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but who's the one that's been making it grow? What's it say? God is the one that's making it grow. So he says, neither, neither Paul, neither the one who plants, nor the, nor the one who waters, neither Paul nor Apollos is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they will each be, what's the word? Say it loud. Rewarded according to their own labor. For we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. So Paul is saying, guys, this hero worship stuff has got to stop. Like stop elevating me, Paul's saying, over Apollo. Stop elevating Apollos over me as if there's some sort of competition uh, for who's going to be the MVP, the most valuable pastor, right? You know, I, you know like, I, I'm going to follow Tannen because he's tall, you know? I'm going to follow Pastor John because 
he doesn't like Dora and he throws Dora DVDs. And I like that, you know. I'm going to follow Pastor Jim because he blows stuff up. You know, like what? You know, like Paul's saying, like, why are you elevating us? Like he, he's, he, I love it because he's, Paul's stripping away his own title. And he's saying, I'm going to exchange this title for a towel to wash your feet. Like we're, we're servants. He says we're co-workers. You know, and I, I, I feel like sometimes we do the same thing. You know, we elevate pastors like, like, like we're somehow more important and our calling is like somehow more important than your calling, you know? Like the platform ministry is somehow like, like, you know what, here's the deal. We only have a platform here so that when Pastor Jordan's up here, you can actually see him. That's the, that's the only reason why we have a platform I love you, Jordan. But, but, but seriously, like, we, we think that, like, because you're down on the floor and I'm somehow up here on the platform, like, that my job's infinitely more important than, than, than your job. Like, you even call me to have me do your work. Like, I need a pastor to pray for this person that needs prayer. No, I'm, I'm off. We're praying. I'm like, that's great. We, we love that. But I'm like, well, you can't pray? Like what, your prayer, you know, like my prayer is somehow more powerful than your prayer? No, we have the same Holy Spirit the last time I checked. Like we, I don't have a pastor Holy Spirit level and, and you have a floor, you know, platforms Holy Spirit level. You know, like it doesn't work that way. And Paul's kind of addressing this. He's like, look guys, we all have a job. We each have a task. We each have a, and we're each going to be rewarded according to the job that we do. See, there's going to be a test. There's going to be a test. Uh, and Paul is just addressing this so strongly. He's like, let's strip away this stuff. Let's, let's remove the pedestal. Let's trade it in for a towel because we're all servants. We're all co-workers in God's service. There's only one hero in this story, and it's not Paul, it's not Apollos, it's Jesus Christ. Amen? And there's only one hero in this story that we're part of, and it's, his name's Jesus Christ, and we're called to faithfulness to him. Look at verse 10. Paul says, by the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is building on it, but each one should build with care. So Paul's given this building analogy. He gave a field analogy a minute ago, right? About the planting and the watering. God's the one that makes it grow. Now he's going to give us a building analogy. If we miss the first analogy, um, he's covering everybody here. I want to make sure, you know, everybody connects here. And, and he's saying, but each one should build with care. Each one should build with care. In other words, what we're building really matters. It really matters to God. And, and verse 11 says, For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw. Look at verse 13. Look, at, look, at, look in your Bibles, verse 13. Their what? Their work will be what? Shown for what it is. And then it says, because the day. Now, look in, look in your Bible. In my Bible, day is capitalized. The day. Is your, is your day capitalized? The day. What's that mean? Like, well, that means that like, there's going to come a day where we stand 
before the Bema seat of Christ. And on that day, our salvation isn't going to be tested, but our works are. The decisions, the choices, the attitudes, the things that we've spent our whole life building is going to be tested on that day. And it says the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with what? With fire. And the fire is going to test the quality of each person's work. Okay? If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved even though only as one escaping through the flames. So what Paul's saying is this. Our lives are a building project and all of us are building a building. All of us. Every single one of us. We're building a building. And every thought that we, that we make, every action that we take, every choice that we make, every, every decision that is made, and I'm talking good decisions and bad decisions. I'm talking about the good things we do and the not so good things we do. We're building a building. All of us are building a building. And there's going to come a day when the building inspector is going to come around and is going to test the quality of our, of our work. And so maybe this, this decision was a decision to not forgive someone because they, they hurt me bad. And I, I, I want to withhold forgiveness towards this person because I want to maintain this control in my life. I think I'm maintaining control in my life. So this one, I'm, gonna, I'm building this building, but I, I'm, that, one, that one's, I'm not changing that one. That, that, one's, that one's totally my flesh. I even know it. And I'm still going to lay that one. This one is me sitting on the recliner. My wife's up in the kitchen doing all the work. And she's sweating and she's tired and she's worked all day. And I'm having this wrestling match in my mind. Do I get up right now and like help her? Uh, or am I going to just stay reclined? And I actually decide to not help her. But then the Holy Spirit does one of these things again, right? And I say, okay, I'm going to get up and help her. That's a good decision. I'm building this building. And, and, and Paul says, like, there's a, there's a day. The, the day will happen. I totally feel like Jim right now. <laughs> Channel my inner Jim. Let's crank it up. There's going to come a day, Paul says, where, where we, our, our, our work is going to be inspected. It's not really like Jim, because Jim would actually light this stuff on fire, and I'm not going to do that. But, but, our, but our works, the quality of our work is going to be evaluated. Every decision, every choice that we make, every, every attitude that, that, that we make is going to be evaluated. And, and, and God, the great building inspector, he's going to go through every brick and every crack and every crevice and he's going to evaluate our lives and the quality of our work. And Scripture says that, like, only the stuff that I, the decisions that I made, the bricks that were laid in my, my life that, 
that, that, that, that were set on the Holy Spirit's desire for my life are, are going to last. Like the stuff, the choices that I've made, the decisions that I've made that, that uh, were done in the flesh aren't going to last. It's just going to be a, a pile of ash. And all that's going to be left is, is, is the stuff that has eternal value. And Paul says that there's going to be a reward that we're going to be rewarded for our faithfulness. We're going to be rewarded for, for the times that we've set our mind on what the Spirit desires and we walk in the Spirit and we make choices that honor Him. We say no to the flesh and we say yes to, to, to what God wants for, for our lives and we're going to be rewarded for that. And, and you know, when I, when I receive a reward and we receive those rewards, I don't, I don't think it's going to be like this, well, look at me. I'm going to take my place on the, on the pedestal. Look at the, the, the rewards that I received. Because I think in that moment, we're in the presence of God with no more sin and no more boasting and pride is gone. I think we're going to realize like that reward that I've received that, I just like, that just shows God's faithfulness all the more. Like that just is a, is a testimony to God's faithfulness to me and his power in my life and his glory uh, in, in my life. It's not about me. It's about Jesus. And, and, and you know, Scripture talks over and over. There's over 100 verses that, that talk about rewards that we're going we're gonna to be able to receive that our works are going to be evaluated, that, that God cares about our work. He doesn't just care about your salvation. Like, you might say, well, isn't heaven going to be great enough? Like, why do I need to worry about getting any rewards? I just want to get into heaven. And, and um, I would say, yeah, heaven is going to be enough. Like, Jesus is going to be enough. But don't you want to go across the finish line hearing God say like, well done, good and faithful servant. Like you were, you were faithful with, with, with what I gave to you. You're faithful. You finished the race well. You ran the race well. Now enter into your joy and your, and your prize. Man, that's, that's what God desires for us. That's what faithfulness is. Faithfulness is, is again, remember, it's, it's, it's daily, setting our mind on what the Spirit desires daily. Every day, not perfectly, but consistently. And we do that, and God honors that. He honors that obedience. He honors that, that faithfulness. See, I want to be found faithful, and by God's grace, I want to build something that will be rewarded. I don't want to stand before God one day and have a big building that just goes up in smoke, poof, when the fire gets, gets, gets put to it uh, right before my eyes, that all of this work, this great building that means nothing eternally. I want to talk about some of these rewards. We don't have time to really unpack them in depth, but, but Scripture talks about crowns, that we will receive for, for faithfulness, for rewards, for, for our work. Um, and one of them is called the victor's crown. 
the victor's crown. I want to get this, this crown. This is a cool crown. It, it will be the reward for those who have been diligent in their discipline to say no to worldly things so that they can say yes to eternal things. Okay, these are the, the, the people who, who, who have, have done what we're talking about, like, like, like consistently sees the world going this way, evaluating that against Scripture and against truth and saying, no, Scripture says I need to go this way and I'm going to choose to go this way. That's the victor's crown, the victor's crown. There's the crown of rejoicing that Scripture talks about. It's known as the soul winner's crown. The soul winner's crown. It's waiting for those who, who look beyond themselves and lead others to Christ. Now, you might say, well, I'm not an evangelist. You know, may, maybe you would say, you know what, I, I've never led anyone to Christ. Like, I've never sat down with someone and, and, and led them in a prayer to trust Christ. Maybe that's, maybe that's true, but, but maybe you're part of the process. See, sometimes we think we only, you know, get, get credit if we're the one that like, okay, like repeat after me this, 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 this prayer, right? But I believe that, you know, as we, as we uh, you know, elevate Jesus and we encourage people to take steps towards, towards Jesus in, in their walk and we point people to him and, and, and Lord uses that, those seeds. Remember those seeds that Paul talked about? I, get, I plant the seeds and Apollos comes along and water. Some of you plant, some of you water and, and we're just planting seeds. And, and maybe there's a long process for a person to go, go through until they, they finally surrender and say yes to Christ. But I believe everybody in that process shares in, in the joy of that person coming to Christ. So never underestimate the word, you know, like, oh man, I should have said more. Well, maybe, maybe you should have said more to someone, maybe. But you know, God's faithful. He's the one, remember, he's the one that makes it grow. And, and so you, you just do the very best you can to be obedient to him. And, and you know, when you're sitting down with someone and you're, you're, you're talking to somebody who you're not sure uh, knows and has a personal relationship with the Lord. In that moment, that's a time to pray. Like, Holy Spirit, I need you. Like, give me words. And you just go with it. You go with what God lays in your heart and you, you elevate Jesus and you talk about what he's done for you and you, you share your story and your testimony and what he's done for you and you allow God to do the work of changing lives. That's the crown of rejoicing for those who have been diligent and faithful in, in, in those areas. Then there's the crown of righteousness. This will be the reward for those who long for heaven. Those who long for heaven, they faithfully set their hearts on their eternal home. It's almost like they, you know, they wake up every day. I know people like this and their Lord, today could be the day. Please, Lord, I, I just long to see you. And it seems like they always have this eternal perspective uh, in, in their lives and and uh, they're, they're, they're looking towards heaven faithfully. And that's the crown of righteousness. The scripture talks about the crown of life. The crown of life is, is for those who maintain their, their love for Christ when it was costly to do so. Those who have suffered for the cause of Christ have been persecuted. You know, our brothers and sisters in other countries where it's illegal to own a Bible, it's, it's illegal to speak the name of, of Jesus in some countries where our brothers and sisters literally are held at knife point or gun point and are told, you need to deny Jesus. 
And they say, no, I would rather die than deny my Savior. And they lose their lives. The martyrs, uh, those who are persecuted, put it thrown in prison as a result of taking a stand for Christ. That's the crown of life. The crown of life. And there's the crown of glory. Uh, the crown of glory is for those who are faithful shepherds of God's people. Those who have answered the call of leadership in, in some way. And I would say formal and informal. And, and so, you know, if you're leading people in a mentor situation, you're pointing them towards Jesus. Maybe you're a Sunday school teacher, youth leader. Um, you know, maybe, maybe you don't have any official program that goes along with it, but you just gather a couple of, uh, of teens together and you mentor them and you pour into them consistently. Or a couple buddies at work, you're, you know, and you're, 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 you're encouraging them and you're shepherding them along in, in their uh, relationship with Christ. Small group leaders, counselors, uh, pastors, elders, deacons, those who are, are in a shepherding role, either formal or, or informal. That's the crown of glory. These are these eternal rewards that, that are mentioned over and over in Scripture. Those who have children. Um, you know, um, I, I don't know if you've noticed, but... You know, when your kids are out and they're playing on the court or in the field uh, and maybe they do something really good on the field, impressive, right? What do they do? What's the instinct? The instinct is for them to turn and kind of see if you're watching, right? You notice that with your, with your kids? They kind of watch and see why. Why is that? I think God has put that in us, that, that desire to to seek affirmation from our, from our Father. And I think it's just a picture of, of the affirmation that we desire and long for from our Heavenly Father. We, we want our Heavenly Father to look at us, perform the end of our lives, and we want Him to say, you know what? Job well done. Job well done. Enter now into the joy of the Lord. See, it's not about the reward that we get. It's all about what the reward represents, right? Like this trophy here, I found this buried in Tannen's closet. It says Topeka Church League Tournament, first place. You know, like, I guess it was, that was cool to have this trophy, but like, it's not about the, like the trophy. Um, it's, it's really about what the trophy represents, right? And, and the trophy for this church league represents, you know, working well together as a team, like understanding our roles on, on the field. And, and, uh, and it earned a trophy of first place uh, in, in the league. And, the, and that's, that's wonderful. But, you know, the rewards that we get really are more about what the reward represents. And it's this representation of God's faithfulness to us, his power, his glory. It's a reward for our faithfulness, a reward for setting our, our mind on what, the, what, what he desires in us. And, and rewards in heaven are the completion of our earthly story. Pastor John talked about that last week, just that, that story that we're, we're writing in our lives and all of us are writing that story. And what kind of story do you want to write? This, this, is, this is really what we're talking about here. But see, those rewards, those, those, earth, those rewards for our earthly story 
will be eternally satisfying. They'll be eternally satisfying. So maybe you're here today and you're like, you know, I made a mess of my life. Truth be told, as I evaluate my life, it's, it's just riddled with addiction and poor choices and failed marriages, um, failed finances, you know, just anger, resentment. And, and here's the amazing thing about God's grace. Like, you don't have to live like that anymore. Uh, God's grace gives you the ability today to say, I'm not going to live like that anymore. I want to live a life of faithfulness. See, that's, that's only because of God's grace that, that, you can, that you can do that. And that's the beauty here. So, so it's not like, okay, what have I built up until this point that's a mess? It's like, what can I build from today moving forward? Because you're, you're still alive. I think everybody in here is still alive. Like you're still on this side of the posies. That's a, that, that means that there's still work to do, that God still has you here for a purpose, that, that he's not done with you yet, that there's still tasks and good works that he wants for you. And, and, and so what we need to do in order to move from, from this place of living by the flesh, and, and maybe that's kind of where you're at, but you want to move over to, to living your life consistently through the Spirit. What, what's that look like? Well, here's what that looks like. The doorway to move from being led by the flesh to being led by the Spirit is always humility. It's always humility. And so where there's jealousy and dissension, there's pride, humility ushers us from the realm of the flesh to the realm of the Spirit. So is your marriage a train wreck right now? Humility is the doorway you need to walk through. You say, well, I'll walk through the doorway of humility when she does first. Well, that's not humility, okay? Is your, is your life a mess you made a mess of your life through addiction. Maybe there's a pornography addiction. Maybe there's a, a, a substance abuse addiction in your, in, in your life. And you, and you would say, man, my life is just a mess. Like, what do I do? Well, humility is the doorway that you need to walk through. Is your life so frantic right now that you don't even have a moment to breathe, let alone spend time with the Lord daily in his word, like, like Pastor John talked about last week, encouraged us, challenged us to start our day every day. And, and you're like, man, my life is just so frantic right now. I know, what do I do? Well, humility is the doorway that you need to walk through. Is your life all about you? You've neglected to spend time in his word, be connected to him. Um, see, humility is simply saying, Lord, I need you. It's really what it is. It's saying, Lord, I need you. And when we do that, we are ushered in that moment from our mind being set on what the flesh desires to our mind being set on what the Spirit desires. And see, the Spirit can work with that. The Spirit can work with a humble heart. The Spirit can't work with a, with a prideful heart. And some of you, that's, that's where you're at. Some of you are, are, are 40-year-old Christians in a onesie and a binky, and, and you need to grow up spiritually. And it starts this way, through the doorway of humility. And man, 
what God desires and longs to do in you and me is amazing if we let him, if we allow him to. We only have one life to live. I want him to say to me, well done. I don't want him to say to me, like, Mike, like, yeah, you're, you're, you're in heaven, you're saved, you know, that's great, but like, what'd you do with the Holy Spirit? He shelved it in your life. I, I want to I go to the end um, earning as many rewards as I can. Amen? Amen. I, I want us to just kind of reflect on a passage of Scripture. I'm going to read uh, from, uh, from Colossians chapter 3, and I don't want you to turn there, but what I do want you to do is, is just maybe close your eyes, just kind of like allow God's Word to move and speak to you in this moment. Maybe allow the Holy Spirit in humility to say, Lord, would you show me areas of my life where I need to surrender to you? Uh, Lord, I want to be faithful to you. And I want to I be rewarded for my works on that day when, when you come to test and to inspect the building that I'm building for myself. Listen to these words. Allow them to, to move and work and speak in your life. So since then, you've been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. But now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self which is being renewed in the knowledge and the image of its creator. Here there's no Gentile or, or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a, a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Do you stand with me this morning? Lord, we need you. We want to be found faithful Lord, we want our lives to, to be called faithful. We long for you to tell us 
Good job. Good and faithful servant. Enter now into the joy of the Lord. Lord, we long to receive the rewards that you have for us so that we can just raise them high to declare your faithfulness to us. Lord, I'm grateful for your grace. I'm grateful that even though we make choices that don't honor you, that man, when we walk through that doorway of humility, you're so quick to be there with your love and your mercy to lift us back up. Grateful for your Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray that we would be a people that would lean in every day. We lean in today, tomorrow, and the next day. Not perfectly, but consistently. And God, that you would find us faithful. Lord, give us a picture of eternal things. Help us to set our minds on things above. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.